Hmm. Needs improvement. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Needs Improvement. Uh, last week, when I posted the second half of the Tony interview, I did say that Nicole was going to be my guest. And Nicole and I had a really wonderful trip to Colorado, which is um, where my family lives. And on that trip, Nicole suggested that I bump her for my aunt, who I mentioned in the last episode. My aunt is, if you know me personally, I am very intense. I'm very emotionally intense. And I like to tell people that my aunt is like me, but more intense. So that's a thing. But she is also this just really unique, wise person. And she loves to teach others. She calls it pouring into people or ministering to people. Um, But really, it's just she loves to get into the deep stuff and she loves to figure out what makes people tick and she loves to help people and heal people and um, create leaders. And she's just a really interesting person. And um, I love talking to her, but totally honestly, going there for a weekend, as I'm sure Nicole discovered, it can feel really intense and it can be really emotional. Um, Sometimes it almost feels like a therapy retreat, but I love it and I love her and she has so much wisdom. What I'll say about this episode is that it is not as humorous as my episodes sometimes are. Uh, I don't know how humorous they really are, but it's it's reasonably serious. Um, And also you'll probably notice in parts, um, my aunt is a conservative and religious person. Um, She's quite serious in her faith. And what I'll ask is that, give it a listen. Even if that's not your bag, she is one of the most non-judgmental, honest, congruent, walks the walk, talks the talk, people you'll ever meet and I think that if you can look past your political or religious differences um, I guess I'm just assuming that a lot of my friends and listeners are maybe people who have differing views I think that there's a lot to glean and I just generally think in life it's important to listen to people who maybe don't have the exact same views as us uh, especially now um I hope you guys like this. I hope you get a lot out of it. I would appreciate any feedback uh, that you have. And without further ado, my Aunt Carrie. Uh, I told everyone last week that I was going to post an interview with Nicole, but I found a better guest. (laughs) Nicole's getting bumped uh, for my aunt, who I brought up something you said to me on a, a previous podcast. So we'll get into that. So people who listen might be familiar with the aunt who gave me a piece of advice that I talked about. In any case, my aunt Carrie, last name redacted, never try to find her. Um, I want, I want to know ya. Start out with an easy question. What is your favorite emoji? The smiley face. The smiley face. Just the straight smiley face. The really cheesy one. The big smile. smile. Do you use a lot of emojis? I do. Do you also talk into your phone to make those emojis 
I do. Yeah. Does your husband make fun of you? Like he, my husband makes fun of me. He does. Yeah. Okay. This is, see, this is, this is getting somewhere. Um, I have, what are some of the other good light questions I have? Uh, what would the title of your autobiography be? What would the title of mine be? Mm-hmm. Oh, that is a tough question. Man. I didn't give her any time to think about this. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Oh, God. My life is but a vapor. I don't know. Oh, yes, we did talk about that. Um... What would you do with your life if money wasn't an issue? I'm just, I honestly, I've never really thought about that because I just think about money as a tool. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think about it as just the center of the universe or the center of my life at all in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I would even do anything different to, to be quite frank with you. I, I do what I do because I love to do what I do mm-hmm. and I don't do it because I of money or not money. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I might live in more than one spot mm-hmm. for periods of mm-hmm. time, but I don't know that I would uh, go somewhere else. No, I don't know. Well, I'd I th- travel for sure. I think it's interesting because last night you were talking about how you never see yourself retiring. And I also never see myself retiring, but not because of money, just because I like what I do, but I don't do it for money. I like what I do because I like meeting people and helping people. And I think you do what you do because you like helping people, not because you love cleaning. No, that's correct. Although I like, I like to develop leaders. I like to give people an opportunity to be able to grow, uh, Mm -hmm. an environment to grow that's challenging to them, but yet, you know, satisfying. Because even though it's just cleaning to some people, it's not to me. Yeah. You're, I mean, cleaning is super powerful, right? Like cleaning makes people feel differently. Oh my gosh, it is. It's absolutely a necessity. There's just nothing like um, going into someone's life Mm -hmm. and fulfilling a need that they have. And the great satisfaction of walking away and knowing that you did your very best by them. I think that that's a, that helps you sleep at night. It it makes you, it's kind of warm and fuzzy. And I I won't retire because it's it, it's not about money. I think it's about just going home and not having a purpose. Mm-hmm. I think that's what that's about for me. And I think people live longer when they keep that purpose. Absolutely. I've um, seen it in our yeah. industry. Yeah. What is something that you used to believe that you no longer believe? Mm. Oh. That's a hard <laughs> question. I need a podcast producer all the time. Nicole's like highlighting... Oh, there's so many all the questions us. that she thinks I should ask you which are questions that I ask other people but yeah no this is good it's just I there's so many answers to that and I just would want to pick which one would be the one that would come. oh sorry Put which one would be the one that would come to me um I think that I grew up in a very small community mm-hmm. and I think that I grew up in a bubble and I believe that Honestly, I know this sounds really bad, but I think that I believed that for the most part, people were good. Mm-hmm. Everything was good. And I think that I pretty much got slapped in the face when I got <laughs> out in the real world to find out that, you know, we're all, we're all flawed. Mm-hmm. We're all broken vessels and pots at some point. And, and we all have a story. 
And mm-hmm. often those stories are tragic. And I don't mean to be so pessimistic or cup half full or empty, I should say. Um, but the truth is, it, you know, it is. There's a there's a lot around us that is, you know, damaging and hurtful and sad and um, broken. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that I had to come off of the clouds and realize that this is this is life. This is real life. And there's lots of stuff out there. Yeah. I d- I think you could see that you were pessimistic. You could say that if you didn't know you, but I think you've oh used no, I'm that the as, eternal optimist. as a calling to to change that and to help people. Yes. So you see that, but you don't just sit back and say, okay, let's wait to die because no, everything sucks. No, absolutely not. For sure. I, 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 even though I see that, I would like to think that I'm a, an eternal optimist, mm-hmm. that things can always be better. Things can always improve. We can always be a work in progress. Um, the environment that we're in as well as the people that we are can always be a work in progress. That's why I think that I love to develop leaders because I can, I can see what someone could be and I want to help them to realize that. Do you think that there was a defining moment when sort of the rose colored glasses came off when you left your small town? Was it when you came to Colorado where you were like, Oh boy, (laughs) this is not great. (laughs) <laughs> there are a lot of stories I could tell you where the, it took a, it was a process. It was a mm-hmm. journey for me for those rose colored glasses to come off. I can remember I was walking at 1130 at night when I, right after I met my husband, mm-hmm. I was probably 22. I think I was around 22 years old and I was walking at night and probably not the best area of town with my headphones on because I like to walk for exercise. Mm-hmm. And I had walked to the gas station that he was working at at the time. Uh, which makes me laugh, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> and he said, what are you doing? You can't do that here. I'm like, do what? He's like, you cannot walk like that. And as soon as I left, I was walking up the street and this car went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth next to me. And I realized in that moment that, oh my gosh, I, I'm not in the small town that I used to be mm-hmm. anymore. There, yeah. th- so that was a rude awakening. Um, I trusted people that I shouldn't have have you know what I mean I learned those tough lessons I I put myself out there um and I so I just think it was a journey I I know this is a tough question and maybe this isn't the right question no well but uh but I I I think that it's the rose-colored glasses come off over time you there I don't think there's one incident that I could name Mm -hmm. that that would be the answer have you ever shoplifted absolutely (laughs) and I've gotten caught oh yeah I've actually stole money out of somebody's house and gotten caught. Oh, wow. Yes. I know. I was involved in stealing five grand out of somebody's (gasps) house. When? Two weeks apart. I got caught for shoplifting, and then two weeks later I got caught stealing that money. How old were you? I was 16, 15. Wow. Starting young. Five grand? Look, I'm not going to say you're old, but this was not today's five grand. This was... No, this was back in that day. This was <laughs> a long time ago, five grand. Yeah. And uh, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Was there a purpose? You know, I think that we were raised pretty poor and mm-hmm. we didn't have. And I know that it sounds bad, but I wanted and I was entrepreneurial even as a young kid. <laughs> I cleaned houses and I split wood and I washed windows and I babysat and I did whatever I had to do to make money. Mm-hmm. 
I paid for my own school supplies very young, my own school clothes very young. Um, so some of it was out of necessity. And I think that I saw that as an easy way out because it was a guy's house that I was cleaning. Okay. And um, he, I found out that that money was there. He didn't keep it in the bank. He kept it there. And so I started stealing a 20 here and a 20 there mm-hmm. and a 20 here and a 20 there. And since it beca- was so easy, I was like, oh, wow, you know. And then I brought a friend over and she saw how easy it was and she started doing it. And then another friend and she started doing it. And then another friend and she started doing it. So the four of us were siphoning this money off. And pretty soon before I know it, it was five grand. I didn't personally steal five grand. But between the four of us, we stole five grand. Wow. Yep. And uh, and that's how we got caught. And, and I'm so glad it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Because I've never stolen again. It was very traumatizing. Mm-hmm. I had to lock the screen doors where I was babysitting so my mother couldn't get through to kill me. Oh, yeah. yeah. I... Uh, I wouldn't be pleased with my child. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and also I know grandma and she, she for sure has a temper. So I can imagine oh, yeah. that, uh, ooh, but you know, those was... things, those things are the, the best lessons in life. I'm mm-hmm. glad I learned that at 15 and not 25. Well, absolutely. And I think that, uh, for people that know you, uh, you give lots of advice. You give great light advice and you speak from a place of like, authority and I think it would be easy for people to be like oh you've just always been this good enlightened oh no you know god following person but I know because I've heard some great stories that you aren't but that's what makes you more relatable is you're not sitting on Mount Pius when I went off to college it was really a culture shock for me and I lived with Miss Minnesota actually oh really uh, in Grand Rapids Minnesota and we rented a house on the corner of this one street and we were the party house. And even then I was entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. I was the girl every Thursday, Friday and Saturday night that bought three, four kegs because I could, cause I was so big that nobody ID'd me mm-hmm. and I would buy three, four kegs and I would sell three bucks a glass until the beer ran out and I would make about 90 bucks a night. Wow. On the side. And I did that for two years, almost two years. You were always hustling. I was always hustling. I like that. I mean, that's not even that bad, though. Like, that's just, like, good, I would clean. hold WWF tournaments <gasps> in, the, in the yard. I love wrestling. Oh, I did, uh, I did a lot of things. <laughs> I used to race my car. I had a, uh, uh, oh, 76 Cutler Supreme with oh, a four-barrel wow. carburetor and a pretty nice muscle car, and I would race that. Um, I, one time at one point in my life, I decided that selling weed was the right thing to do. And I bought a big giant gallon baggie full, stuck full <laughs> to the gills of weed. And I sold it, broke it up, sold it. Then I decided I didn't want to be a drug dealer. Oh, Just no, I, am, I am not a perfect, I've, tried, I've done most yeah. of the drugs. Yeah. Except for shooting up. Oh yeah. Well, good. But uh, yeah. you know, in all honesty, so no, I think it is easy for somebody to look at and go, oh my gosh, if you, you know, as you change in your life, it's easy to look at somebody and, and look at them in that snapshot in time and go, oh my gosh, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. But you, you, everybody's got a story. Everybody has a story of pain and brokenness and things that decisions that we've done and made. And I could tell you some just stories that would probably curl your toes that I have done that I'm not proud of. Mm-hmm. I could tell you stories that have happened to me that I'm not proud of, but all of these things are who I, part of who I am today yeah. and, and I've just moved on from them. And so today people who meet me would never guess that these are some of the th- things that I come from, but I'm proud of that because that's, that's growth. It's growth and it's, yeah. it's good. And you use your experiences to mentor others. We have been here a uh, little over 24 hours and Nicole, how, how much of those 24 hours have we spent 
talking about and bettering ourselves and coming up with business plans and learning about the Bible. (laughs) It's been a lot of those hours and that's, you are, you talk the talk and you walk the walk when it comes to, as you say, pouring into people and mentoring them. I believe in that. Yeah. You absolutely believe in it. I saw you doing it to someone else before we even started doing it. Yeah. I don't think, I wonder sometimes if when we're not here, like, are you just doing that to everyone else too? I do. Yeah. Anybody that comes in front of me, anybody who will listen, because I believe in that. I know. I believe that it's, it's just healthy. It's, 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 it's wonderful experience. It's it's something that you can share with Mm -hmm. somebody else. It's. Do you think your kids get sick of it? I do. I I think that my children would tell you that they get wary sometimes, Mm -hmm. but I also think that both of my children would tell you um, that I have mentored them in their lives Mm -hmm. and they would have no one else. Mm -hmm. Well, I I agree, but I can also see that sometimes it's nice that my mom just says, wow, I'm sorry, Erica, that really sucks. Yeah, my daughter says that to me all the time. My daughter says that to me all the time. She says, mom, you know, sometimes I hate that you always are forever the counselor mm-hmm. and the mentor. I just want you to be my mom just sometimes. And, but then every time I think that I want that from you and you do, it leaves me empty. Mm-hmm. So she tells me that. That's she says, I just want you one time, one time to say, that's okay that you did that. <laughs> And I say, nope, can't do it. <laughs> yeah, but it, you know. It's okay, though. It's, it's okay, because that's the, if that's the legacy that I leave behind, I'm okay with that. I want to leave a legacy. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want people to know what I st- stand, stood for. I want people to know that I fought for what I believed in, not just for myself, but for others, and that I shared and imparted the very best that I could, the good stuff, not the bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I want. If that was on my tombstone, I'd be okay with that. I think it will be on your tombstone. I hope so. <laughs> I... Um, we were laughing. I'll uh, don't worry. I will outlive both of you. I'll make sure that things <laughs> at your funeral. I'm gonna live forever. Uh, okay. I asked you this last night. And I know what you told me, but pretend like I didn't ask you because I thought your answer was really interesting. What are the top three things you're looking to improve this year? So. I don't set goals like that for myself. Yeah. I, I, I have a word every year. There's mm-hmm. a word that just, I feel like uh, with my faith, mm-hmm. I, I feel like just God leads me to a word every year. And, and then that word uh, manifests itself all year long in so many different ways, every arena of my life, whether it's relationships to my workplace, to my emotional health, to my spiritual health. I feel like it manifests itself in ways that I never even think about, mm-hmm. uh, so when I reflect back on the year, I go, wow, that was a beautiful year. And that word fit. And so like this year, my word is nourishment. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is going to be a year where I'm just uh, nourishment in my, I'm going to experience nourish- nourishment in my marriage and nourishment in my spiritual life and in my work life. And I'm actually really excited to see how it plays out. And I've been doing that for years. So I don't really mm-hmm. set goals. It's more about a focus. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really interesting because most entrepreneurs I talk to, which I talk to a lot because that's my world, have really set goals. And I'm sure your business has financial goals and Not numbers really. they're looking to hit. Really? You're just, no. you're just. No, I, I literally don't. 
Wow. And, and I, I, maybe that sounds crazy to you, but I feel like if you just sow the right things, Mm -hmm. the Bible says that we reap what we sow. Mm -hmm. And this is in every area of our lives. If you reap bitterness, you're going to, you're going to, or sow bitterness, you're going to reap bitterness. If you, if you reap anger, you're going to, or sow anger, you're going to reap anger. And so I feel like if you just walk into your business every single day and you get up and you say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my very best today to pursue the things that are important that I have deemed important, the core values that I hold. And I sow into those values. I don't need to worry about the harvest because it will naturally come. This is just a natural law. Uh, For those that don't believe in God, you believe in karma. Mm -hmm. Okay. Every religion has this, this principle present Mm -hmm. that you reap what you sow. Uh, Do you want, you know, if you, if you give it, you're going to get it. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. Why, why would you have to worry? Why would you set about these goals? Because here's the thing. When you don't achieve those goals, then you have spent so much emotional angst, so much of your wasted time obsessing over things that you didn't even have any control over to begin with. Just control what you can. Get mm-hmm. up today. So. Get up tomorrow. So. Get up the next day. So. And eventually the harvest will come because you did that. Wow. You should listen to my last podcast, which you won't because, uh, spoiler, uh, neither my aunt nor uncle knew what a podcast was until today and yesterday. But it's a very different feel because I was talking to Tony about, you know, people set New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. You probably don't. I don't. I set goals. I don't set New Year's resolutions. And then for me, those goals get broken down and broken down and broken down and broken down until I am set about today's checklist. Okay. Like, this is one of the checklist items, right? So if my goal is to do 26 podcasts this year, Mm -hmm. one every other week, then I know that I might get sick some weeks or I might go on vacation, so I have to have this much stock of podcasts to be able to hit that goal. Mm -hmm. And so for me, this idea that I could just get up and be like, oh, well, I'll just so, and then the podcast. Like, do you have any practical sort of like day-to-day? Because I know you're a checklist person. I am. I am absolutely. So how are you sort of like cultivating those checklists and making sure you get everything done to be successful you know so many times in your life your your greatest strengths can Mm -hmm. be your greatest weaknesses Mm -hmm. and so in my life I I'm I'm an extreme planner I am Mm -hmm. and I am absolutely a checklist person and I spent countless hours beating myself up because I didn't get everything on my checklist Mm -hmm. I I spent countless nights losing sleep because I left three things on my checklist Mm -hmm. that I didn't get to uh, that day, or I roll them over into the next day and I roll them over into the next day. And then I obsess and I obsess and I obsess and I obsess and I I put off important things, Mm -hmm. uh, in my life. And I take my life out of balance to pursue that checklist that is unhealthy for anybody. Mm -hmm. And so I had to bring into balance for my own well being, and let go of this fantasy world that, that there was going to be an end to that checklist. Mm -hmm. There's no finish line. That checklist will grow. It'll be heavy at times. It'll be thin at times. And I get to put what's on that checklist I do. Mm-hmm. So I control what I can. What's going to go on my checklist? I'm going to do my very best today. But that's it. And when I, when I put that checklist down for the day, I'm going to be okay with what's left on that. And if things happen, because, because here's the thing, Erica, you, we can make plans. But what happens when life happens and things happen in our lives that take us away from those things, take us off the path that we put for ourselves? What then? a lot of people will crumble down to the ground Mm -hmm. and lose their minds. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lose heart. I'm not going to lose hope. 
and I'm, and I'm not going to go down those roads because I've done that and it's unhealthy and I've had ulcers over it and I've had mm-hmm. sicknesses and all kinds of things that happen. And this is not healthy for anybody. So I'm not saying don't be the planner or be the checklist person. Just realize, put it in perspective that take those skill sets that you have being that checklist person, being a doer, getting it done, but put it in perspective so that when you don't accomplish everything all the time, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You're okay. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to beat yourself up for it. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I see too many planners that do that. Yeah. Too many checklist people that do that. Yeah. And I'm sure you can relate. Yes, I am a big picture thinker. And I think that that is something that not everybody has the skill set. So when people will talk about these, I call them puzzle pieces. So when people are talking about three puzzle pieces in the puzzle and they say, well, you know, this is happening right now, mm-hmm. Carrie. I want you to look at that this customer canceled service today, say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they're looking at one puzzle piece. I'm looking at the whole picture. I'm looking at, well, we have 200 others. Okay. And if we sell the right things today, we're going to be just fine. You see? Yeah. And so I, I think big picture thinking, it is really difficult to come down to one thing and make that the most important thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. For me, the checklist is about prioritizing today. What are the, I want to be productive every day. And I am productive. Mm-hmm. I, that's definitely, I'm a doer. So I'm productive. That's what I do. Uh, and I want to be productive every day. So I will put out, set out before myself daily things. These are the tasks that I'd like to get done. These are the people I'd like to talk to because people matter. They mm-hmm. are not things. They are not part of my checklist. They matter. Their feelings, how, you know, who they are. So I'm going to put some relational things on my checklist. I'm going to put some, um, tasks on my checklist. I'm going to put some, um, downtime maybe on my checklist because you have to be in balance mm-hmm. and I'm going to do my very best to, to accomplish some things under each of these categories every day so that I can sleep at night. But if I don't get to all of them, it's okay. Yeah. You still it's have to okay. be able to sleep at night. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So if in the year 2020, I don't get to everything that I wanted to do, I'm okay. It's not that I don't keep checklists. Mm-hmm. My word nourishment does not mean that I'm not going to have things that I'm going to look at mm-hmm. that I want to accomplish. I am going to accomplish those things, but I'm not going to obsess over those things. More, I'm going to look at nourishment. And how does that theme this year play into these areas of my life? And how can I use my skill sets to accomplish some of that in my mm-hmm. life, in balance? Because I think that helps you to be much, much more emotionally healthy. When do you come up with your word or does it just come to you? How it does comes that to process me. work? It absolutely comes to me. Mm-hmm. I have never, ever picked my word. My word is just in my... Usually by the 1st of January, uh, somewhere this year, I got it in October. Mm. I just was sitting there one day and this word popped into my mind after watching some sermons and some different interactions in my life. And, and this word popped into my mind. And then all of a sudden this word was just everywhere I looked and, and I just started pondering that and contemplating Mm -hmm. it. And I was like, you know, that is, that's, that's my word. That's it. And that's usually how it happens. It just keeps coming up before me. And coming up before me. And like I said, when you look back after the year, when I reflect on 2020, I guarantee you, going into 2020, I try to keep my mind clear Mm -hmm. of what that word is going to mean this year. Mm -hmm. Because it's never what I think it's going to be. Mm -hmm. But it is exactly what I need. So you let it manifest how it will within your life. Yes. Yes. What was your word for last year? A deeper work, actually. A deeper work. And there were so many things uh, that I grew in this last year, like uh, if I'm talking about relationships, mm-hmm. like I, I've learned, I, I've done some growth and some learning on how to do relationships healthier this year, including my marriage, my children. Mm-hmm. I am an empty nester this year. 
And so I had to learn to process in, in a healthy way and let go of my children and realize they're, they're adults and it's, they need to be responsible adults and what that looks like and my role in that. I uh, had to look at my marriage again after 30 years of being together. We mm-hmm. celebrate 25 years of marriage and 30 years of being together. Um, I'll tell you, when you become an empty nester, everything looks different now. Mm-hmm. So I need to do a deeper work in our relationship. We needed to do a deeper work in our relationship. I look at my business and um, I enjoy le- longevity for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I had some longevity in my staff and I enjoyed that for a long time. And this last two years, it's really changed. So I had to do a deeper work in my in my workplace. What does that look like? I'm going to be developing new people now. I've got to work with new people now and bring that out. So just there, there, were, there were so many things that it, that it manifested mm-hmm. in, but I... I didn't go in with a picture of what that was going to look yeah. like. You know what I'm saying? And even in my own personal life, I I had a really big growth year. Like I just, just different areas of my life. It was, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful year. I loved it. Was everything perfect? No. Was it, was it a tough year? Yeah. I, I started out the year barely walking. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to land up home, uh, filing disability. I didn't, uh, as of January 1st of night, 2019, I, had had a surgery that went really bad, and I was barely walking. And today I'm I'm walking. Yeah, it's amazing. So. I mean, unfortunately, and I was thinking about this, and I think that's something that if I'm looking at what I should improve in my life is definitely making time to connect with family because uh, I think you're very good at that, and I'm not as good, and obviously it's difficult when we're across state, but not that I do it really great with the people in state either, you know? So, uh, but the last time I saw you guys in person was at our wedding and then shortly after and you, and that was, you know, a year and a half ago now, and you had almost not come to the wedding because your foot was so bad. You had a fake (laughs) toenail that was being glued on. I know. Uh, and so to get here and see you just like literally, you know, we talked about, I know it's not a full recovery, but like literally just like from, oh no, wheelchair to, yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's a miracle. It really is. I mean, we, we wheeled you all around the state fair and now you're just walk. Well, and even, uh, wheeling around the state fair in, uh, in the wheelchair, I want you to know that I, I struggled. Mm-hmm. I did emotionally. Yeah. I had a breakdown yeah. while I was there. I did. I really struggled with that. My husband, who was my saving grace through that, um, got right down on my face. He said, you stop it. This mm-hmm. is this is new life. This is mm-hmm. how we're going to do this from now on going forward. Yeah. And I'm going to be right here with you. And it's okay. And I love that about him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I reflect on that piece, the deeper work there was, mm-hmm. what if my life was that way? What if I was in a wheelchair for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. How would, how would that look? And I think that I was processing that and coming to terms with that. And in the middle of all that, still getting up and fighting and saying, no, I don't have to take that. I have some, I have some things I can do. I can do some alternative care, which I did do. I can, I can work very hard in physical therapy. Mm -hmm. I can fight back emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. And I did. And now I'm up, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a deeper work. It, it's a deeper work inside of me. I, I dealt with some demons that I didn't want to face. I, yeah. Never in my life ever, if anybody had ever told me, because I'm so physically active normally. I'm just a mm-hmm. very active person normally. If anybody had ever told me that I would be facing the potential of not being able to be active, I would have never believed it. But, you know, what if these things happen in our life, Erica? You know, we set these goals, and then we find out, oh, crap, life happened. Mm-hmm. Now what? You know? It's just a different day. It is, different day. but then you set new goals because your new goal was walking and saving your yeah. foot. 
and you achieved it. Yes, I did. Okay. So I guess if you're putting the goals in that perspective, then yes, I do still set goals. Mm -hmm. I do still set goals for sure. I just don't, I I loosely define them, Mm -hmm. leaving room for life to happen. I think that's healthy. Yeah, I think so too. I'm I'm a lot healthier today. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about the smoking hypnotism because yes. I think that people think this is really interesting. How many years did you smoke cigarettes for? Well, I started smoking, I'm going to say probably 12. Oh my god. And I quit it at 50. Would you die if your kids started smoking when you were 12? Can you even imagine that? Actually, my son did. So I wish I could say that. (laughs) You know, peer pressure is is quite (sighs) unbelievable, especially the older people that are in your life, your children's lives. It's not a mean thing, but the older people in your children's life, that's how I started Mm -hmm. with somebody older than me who gave it to me and my son too. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, I now know that. So I would. It's sad. It's tragedy. So you quit in April of 2019. I did. So a lot of years between 12 and then. Yes. How did you quit? I quit through hypnotism. Have you had any cigarettes since you got hypnotized? No. no. And not even a desire to have one. How was it just one session? It was uh, one three hour session. $400. <laughs> and you have no thoughts of going back? No. Do you consider yourself the kind of person that would have been open to hypnotism? No. <laughs> I, uh, I'm a, I would call myself a geek and I would call myself a book smart person because that's definitely who I am. And so I love science. I'm very logical. And so I was thinking, oh, hypnotism, some kind of fantasy, weird uh, mind game. And there's no way my mind is too smart for that. That's what I really, truly believed. I wish I could say I didn't, but I totally mm-hmm. did. <laughs> and so, but when I got in there, I, I realized that I had believed some fallacies about hypnotism. Mm-hmm. Hypnotism is just like in that moment when you're about to fall asleep in a, in a say, in a campsite. Mm-hmm. And you're in a tent and it's quiet around you. The br- you can hear the crickets and things like that. And you're just about to fall asleep and you're hovering between consciousness where you can still hear things, mm-hmm. but your eyes are shut and you're almost asleep. That's hypnotism. And in that uh, space of time, where we're or in that space right there, the uh, hypnotist um, uses the power of suggestion um, to reach you on a deep level and set some new rules, if you will, mm-hmm. in your subconscious for you to follow. And I found that very effective for me. It was absolutely very effective for me. I definitely know that I smoke. I, I sit with smokers. I've let people smoke in my car since then. It's just never... Mm-hmm. It just never bothered me. What happens for me is I'll think about, oh, I smoked. And then it'll just float right away. And it really does work. It's, it's effective. It worked for me. I, I know. S- I still had to say no in the beginning, but it was like yeah. saying no to a cookie. It was like, oh, I kind of want a cookie. Yeah, I'm good. That's how it was. Wow. Right from the start. Would you recommend it to other people? I absolutely would. I would say that the dutiful people... The people who tend to follow the rules naturally are going to have a little bit easier time with hypnotism. This would be very effective for them. Um, uh, My husband, I will give the example. My husband's more of a rule breaker. My husband is the kind of guy that if we're driving up to the McDonald's and there's one way because the people are coming at you from the window, he will totally drive in there with his big giant truck and say, I'm sorry, get out of my way. Okay, he's a rule breaker. Okay, I would, I, I, 
crawled on the floorboards and cried yeah because he did that okay so i'm a rule follower just want to point yeah. that out. okay so there's I, I believe there's different people there's rule followers and there's rule breakers i think the rule followers will have an easier time with hypnotism because it is the power of suggestion so if you don't naturally want to follow the rules you might have a little bit harder time but do i think it could be effective yes uh my friend denine also went into it. She's also tends to uh, break rules. She did it too, and she really struggled. She was successful eventually, but she had to do it twice, and um, she f- she found it a little more difficult than I did. So yeah, I'm really intrigued for like other other things, you know, um, like weight loss. Or if someone has an addiction, uh, you know, like an alcohol addiction. Oh, I absolutely believe 100% yeah. that it would work in any situation. I, I, I fully believe that, say, someone who were dealing with traumas from the past mm-hmm. uh, and really struggling with this anxiety yeah. from that, yeah. I, even, I absolutely even believe in something like that, that hypnotism could be life-changing for someone like that. And $400. Like, yes. <laughs> imagine. Yes. What well, the weight loss might be a little bit more because yeah. there would be a few sessions sure. for something like that. Um, cost could vary depending on the person. But, and you want somebody who's reputable. Mm-hmm. You know, I would I would make sure that you, uh, if you're going to try it and, and do it, that you maybe look at some Google reviews or something like this mm-hmm. that of people who have experienced success. So like the guy that I went to, 95% success rate. Wow. 95. That's high. That is, I mean, it's amazing. It's life changing. Who would not want to do you're that? You're saving your health for, yeah. you know. And money. Dollars, yeah. Oh my gosh, oh, how much money. is a pack of cigarettes? Uh, a lot less here than in Minnesota. It's how much is a pack of cigarettes in Minnesota, Nicole? Ten dollars. Yeah. Yeah, it's like eight here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and if you think people oh, are doing six, that, wow. like a a pack a day, like ten dollars a day, you're spending three hundred dollars a month oh, yeah. on. Yeah, and then if you're a couple cigarettes. and you're both smoking a pack a day, oh, I just yeah. want to point out. Yeah. What that $600 is. Six hundred dollars a month on. That's what my husband I mean, and I were doing. That's we were, we were, when we quit smoking, I, I bought by the carton. I think I paid like six bucks a pack and my husband was paying, uh, $7 because he'd buy it by the pack. Mm-hmm. So this is $13 a day. Wow. Take that times 30. That's like, that's $400. That's a car yeah. payment. Yeah. So we were like, wow, we are paying a car payment for this stupid addiction that does absolutely nothing for us except for makes us stink. And we have to go outside at the airport and sit outside and run back through security to get on the airport. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's just a side note. But just saying, there's so many things that smoking costs you that you, you know, really, if you were to list them, the cost versus the, the benefit, there's really not much benefit to it. Mm-hmm. And you're believing that there's a benefit to it. There's mm-hmm. not, no benefit. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you can get past that and you can really, you know, I want you to know when I went, I didn't want to quit. I did not. I sat in the parking lot and I smoked three cigarettes, literally back to back. And I told my friend I wasn't going to go in because I didn't want to quit because I, it's a love-hate thing. And mm-hmm. people, smokers will understand what I'm saying. It is a love-hate thing, and I didn't want to do it. And she said to me, she said, I'm begging you to go in there. Uh, just just please go in there and talk to him. And I did, and the rest is history. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that I did. Mm-hmm. Because even though, you know, if I found out I was dying tomorrow, I might pick up a cigarette. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but I would never again yeah. uh, if that weren't the case. Because it's, it's, it's just my car stunk. I burned holes in my furniture, holes in my clothing. My hair stunk. My mouth stunk. I couldn't taste food. People were repelled by me. I had to literally run across the airport more than once to smoke a cigarette because I had to have one before I got on the flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, run as soon as you land to go smoke a cigarette before you even pick up your luggage. It's just, it's the things you do when you're a smoker is shocking. And, and when you really just sit down and contemplate those things, you'll see what I'm talking about. You will stand outside in zero degree weather. 
to smoke a cigarette. Yeah. Freeze your, your tail off just to smoke a cigarette. Yeah. It's terrible. To it's eventually maybe get lung cancer or emphysema. Right. Yeah. Literally. Literally. And I, you know, I'm not saying I've made no poor decisions, but like smoking is such a weird thing because even people who love smoking, like literally everyone knows smoking is a terrible idea. Like there's no person who's like, no, I, I know this is good. I know this is okay. Like it's the truth. It, it is. Everyone knows it's a bad thing to do. And almost every smoker I know is wants to quit. Yes. Yes. And it's just such a bizarre thing. And I, what do you think about the 21 year old law change? Now it's across the U S you have to be 21 to get tobacco products. Well, Okay, so here again, and I'm just going to say it. I know this is a podcast, but we just invited the government to make another law that we have to jump through. Wow. Um, they have to decide all the factors in our lives. That's, that's, uh, that's great because I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I, I was young. Mm-hmm. I got cigarettes. Yeah. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that uh, when you were young, you got alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? The fact that we believe that by making a law that people aren't going to break it is is kind of surprising to me a little bit, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that we live in a much different society than when I grew up in. In the 80s, everybody smoked. Everybody. Yeah. Okay? Uh, today, I have a whole entire staff of 21 that I, I think one person smokes. Mm-hmm. Just 10 years ago, everybody in my building smoked. So there, it has been a change. There has mm-hmm. been some level of success with the campaign of going after the cigarettes. Now, surely people are going to say, oh, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's yeah. not enough. You're right. It, but it's never enough. You know, but at the end of the day, it has improved. And I don't think any law is going to change that. They make laws of, of traffic. How many people speed and break it? Just saying. Uh, they make yield signs. How many people yield, really? Yeah. I'm just saying. Not a lot. Not a lot. I mean, do we really believe that making yet another law that somebody's going to follow it? No. I think the only argument could just be that it's more likely that a 12-year-old would know an 18-year-old than that a 12-year-old would know a 21-year-old to get them cigarettes. Well, let me just say that I live in a state that legalized marijuana. Yeah. Okay, now I'm not against this. I want you to know that. I really am not. Even, Even as conservative as I am, I'm not because I don't see it any different than alcohol. But let me just explain something to you. The 12-year-olds in the middle schools, where I live, <laughs> where you live, where I live, uh, the 12-year-olds know that it is against the law for them to get a hold of their parents' marijuana, say, mm-hmm. just like you would the liquor cabinet. But let's be honest. How often do you think it happens here in our city now? Do you think it's increased since we legalized it? Probably. Oh, yeah. So here's the thing. You know, I'm just not convinced that a law stops people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so I hear what you're saying, Erica. I do. I just, I really just do not believe that making another law, yet another law stops anybody, even the dutiful people like myself. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Also, I have, <laughs> uh, I've never really, no, I think since then maybe I've like tried to vape once. I have an embarrassing story of one time, um, I, I haven't smoked weed since I was a teenager. Uh, and I accidentally, a friend asked if I wanted a puff of a vape and I thought it was a cigarette vape because I'm not cool. And I 
was like, oh, yeah, I've never tried this before. This will be cool. This was like within the last year also. So and then I I I she told me how to use it and I breathed in and I you, you can't really tell the flavor as much on like the the inhale. And so and then I exhaled and I was like, what? what flavor is that huh and I was like it kind of dawned on me I was like oh (laughs) oh my and we were at like a giant concert outside and I was like I I I don't get high I don't know what this one hit of weed from I don't even know what's in this pen I know it's some weed so I am not the cool person to talk to uh but like I kind of had this feeling of like I don't know It, it might be cool to like have one of those fruity vapes and from time to time like maybe take a hit off of it now that's banned they don't they don't want to do the fruit flavors anymore and i get it because it probably is mostly kids who like the fruit flavors right but i'm i'm a little sad i missed out on my chance to vape really yeah no menthol cigarettes in minneapolis really let me just okay so i now want you to know as a as a 38 year smoker and I and I do not um, shame people yeah. who smoke. I don't because I I really can't understand what they're going through. Uh, but I just want to point out that vaping. Let's let's just kind of touch mm-hmm. on that a little bit because when you're smoking, you are taking in smoke and carbon monoxide and all of these tar mm-hmm. into your lungs. Okay, when you're vaping, you're taking fluid vapor into your lungs. Into your lungs mm-hmm. that were designed for air, not yeah. fluid. Okay. Do you really think that that is good for you then? No, <laughs> of course not. I mean, I know that people are using uh, this to quit smoking, and I, I commend them for taking the lesser of the two evils. But if for anybody who really believes that vaping, taking fluid into your lungs, is is healthy and better, well, I, I don't know. You're still doing damage to your lungs. Different damage, but you are doing damage. And so I think vaping could be every bit as bad. Uh, for you. I do want to point out that in the 1940s, I believe it was 40s, 50-ish maybe, everybody smoked. Mm-hmm. Look at the movies. Yeah. Smoking was advertised, everybody smoked, and then they started in the you know 70s and 80s, oh wow, lung cancer showing up. Mm-hmm. Oh crud, it's these cigarettes. Oh my gosh. So now we have to do a campaign to quit, get everybody to quit. So now, fast forward to 2020. A lot of people do quit smoking. They're still smoking, but it's not even close to the level no. that you would have seen from the 1950s to today. 70 years, okay, in a 70 years time span. You guys in this generation now have vape pens. Mm-hmm. So I suspect in the next 50 to 70 years, we're going to find it's out the damage the effects yeah. of those vape pens. This is I, every generation. Well, people are dying, and it's weird because so, and it's young people, but then they're saying, well, that's like, I guess all those are linked to, they can trace them back to. Um, weed cartridges that had vitamin E in them and that there's something, I don't know. It does seem like it's safer to just not mess around with it, but. Oh, I think know. they're going to find out more than that. Yeah. I think that that's just the tip of the iceberg, just like smoking. Yeah. It, yeah. It, you know, you, they didn't you, know right away. They're using a body pump or something that yeah. it was not designed to do. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that that's probably not super healthy for yeah. you. Yeah. Well, 
you know. And, and again, I don't I shame I miss my anybody. chance to vape anyway, so. I, I, I'm not trying to shame anybody because I really yeah. do understand. I do. And my husband used a vape pen to quit smoking himself. He did not do hypnotism. He did a cold turkey mm-hmm. uh, by using a vape pen a little bit here and there. And um, it was a battle for him. And so yeah. I really do understand because it's the ha- smoking is really about the hand-to-mouth fixation. Mm-hmm. Your hand-to-mouth fixation, just like eating, mm-hmm. smoking, sunflower seeds. I don't know. It, just think of anything that you use your hands mm-hmm. to bring to your mouth. And this is a habit all of its own. So I didn't find the nicotine terribly hard to quit. I found the hand-to-mouth fixation, mm-hmm. though, was with a difficult piece every time that I tried to quit smoking. And so I feel like that's also what the hypnotist went after was getting rid of that hand-to-mouth fixation, including vaping including eating because this is what smokers often do is pick up food yeah. pick up a vape pen afterwards and then and you still have not addressed the whole problem mm-hmm. just only part of it mm-hmm. and then people feel like they gain weight and so yes. they end up going back to cigarettes and then and i can honestly say i did not gain one pound not one pound from that i later <laughs> from a cruise, cruise but okay. cruise, that's <laughs> so, cruise weight. That's but that cruise was weight. uh like six months after so yeah it had nothing to do with a quitting smoking i promise i did not gain one pound I I'm very intrigued by this hypnotism and I think a lot of people should try it. The other thing that I know a few people who've been really successful doing, and I don't know if you heard of this, but it's another thing that sounds like on the surface, like, whoa, why would that work? There's a book Mm -hmm. written by this man and it's like, you're supposed to read it. And while you're reading it, you can like smoke. It'll even tell you in the book smoke and it, I almost think it's maybe some of the stuff that you talked about, like in the pre, the first hour that he talks about, like breaking down your uh, beliefs, your beliefs, your, your and how inaccurate beliefs about why yes. you're smoking and why you need to keep smoking. And I know multiple people have read this book and then never picked up another cigarette. Oh, that's, and I, I think love it. It's bizarre. But I could Google it and maybe I will Google it, but not right now. Well, I know people who have quit cold turkey. I know people who have quit with a vape. I know people who have quit uh, through hypnotism. I know people who quit with chantix. I know people who quit with patches. I say this, whatever works for you. Yeah. It's not, everything's not going to work. Everything is not going to work. We can't fit everybody in a box. So this just worked for me. And I think that it would work for the people who are dutiful like myself. um, Effectively. Okay. What... I'm very intrigued by this question, but I, I think, and the book is Alan Carr's easy way to stop smoking. That's what it is. But curious what you're going to say. What do you think the biggest mistake you made in the last year was? Oh man. Yeah. These are hard questions. That's hard. They're deep. Yeah. They're deep. Which is okay. Cause I'm a deep person, yeah. but I, I'm not very good at being put on the spot. I feel like, um, yeah. So the question is, What's, what do you think the biggest mistake you've made in the last year was? Hmm. Let me think for a second. You know, it's, it's so funny that you asked this question because I, I just don't see it that way anymore. I just, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I don't know. In my fifties, I just, I don't see it as a mistake. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just don't feel like I make a ton of mistakes. <laughs> I feel like it's just life happened I just live my life and there's no wrong answer there's there's no wrong decisions there you 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 get to pick you're being a free will so you get to pick the way you live you get to pick the things you do you get to pick the things you don't do you learn that everything you do has a consequence to it Mm -hmm. both good and bad a good consequence a bad consequence so I believe if I picked up smoking there's benefits to smoking for me Mm -hmm. that I might believe personally 
But there's a lot of disadvantages too. I might uh, pick up exercise. Mm -hmm. There's benefits to exercise. But then there's some disadvantages too. I might start eating all fruits and vegetables. And there's benefits to that. But there's also disadvantages to that. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, I don't. I don't know that I, I know there, there's, reg now, I don't even have really regrets. I, I think there's decisions that I made have, that have not been the best decisions that I could have made mm -hmm. in a situation, but I don't know that I would call it mistakes. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? I know. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense to it, anybody. It but. does. I think that people tend to feel that way more as they get older. I think so. I think, I think because you just realize that. Uh, there's so many there's so many things that you endure you go through you and you enjoy you uh, the whole gamut of emotions that you uh, after a while you just kind of go this is a journey this is a life journey life is a journey and you just you have to ride the ride you just ride the ride and if there's a uh, you just and I hate to say it but you you're reacting to things that happen to you daily and and adjusting mm -hmm. yourself to them you can't I mean, if you labeled everything, oh, this was a mistake, then I feel like you would involve guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know that I want to live that life anymore. I don't want to lose my peace over some stupid decision that I made that, yep, it cost me. Yeah. It did. Yeah. But I'll get up tomorrow and I'll make a different decision, try the other way or something. I think, so when we got here yesterday, I immediately heard you giving someone some advice uh, that I think you say versions of a lot that... There's no right way. There's just consequences. I really believe that. And I think that a lot of people might think that, you know, someone who's very, um, has a very deep faith in Christianity and is also very literal this to is true. the Bible specifically would not feel that way. But you really leave people a lot of room to make their own decisions. I do because I believe that God gave free will. Mm -hmm. And that's biblical. And I think that um, the Bible says that we all fall short of the glory of God, which means that we're all sinners. Okay, we all we all have sin patterns. Mm -hmm. We all have things that we struggle with. We all they're not all the same though. And I think that too many times people pick up their list of the things that they mm -hmm. struggle with, and they go, "Look, this is what everybody struggles with, and this is the way everybody needs to live." And I go, "Wait, wait, wait, now." You, you don't get to pick for somebody else. Everybody has free will, the Bible says. You didn't pick that for them. No human being picked that. God did. And it bothers me when maybe a well-meaning Christian says, oh, well, you need to take this checklist right here and you need to follow this checklist. You need to live by this checklist because the Bible says that these things are wrong. You're right. It does. And I'm not saying it doesn't. But then I feel like you could point that finger, but then three would be pointing back at you. Mm -hmm. And they could list a whole bunch of things that you're doing also that are listed in the Bible as bad or wrong, okay? So because the Bible also says that God is the only judge, because all I can judge someone based on is what I see right now in front of me right now and, and, and maybe a little history with someone. But God knows why. God knows from the start, birth, to current and future, because he, time is a human concept, not a mm -hmm. God concept, okay? He knows this person, their motives, why are they the way they are? He judges the heart where I think we can only judge something we see in front of us. And I think that that's, 
not the whole picture, right? And so I don't think that I, as a as a Christian, as a human being, that I have a right to look at somebody else's life and go, this is who you need to be. These are the things you need to do. I think that that is something that, that God gave free will. I'm going to make some decisions that are going to be bad for me. You're going to make some decisions that are going to be bad for me. I'm going to struggle with some sin patterns in my life. You're going to struggle with some sin patterns in my life. And I think that more importantly, we should really love is what the Bible says, meaning, um, you know, some people say, oh, don't enable. Yeah, no, we don't need to enable. But we also need to show some grace, which means um, forgiveness and understanding and compassion to people. And I think it's disgusting that so many people don't give that. Mm-hmm. And so this is why I am so open. Because I, d- I want to hear where I, why someone is the way they are. What are they dealing with? Because I feel like if I can reach them on that level, if I can, if I can communicate with them on that level, then I can understand them and why they, they are the way they are and who they are. Yeah. And then I could just appreciate them right there. And I can let them decide the decisions in their lives and deal with the consequences of those decisions on their own. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, it's, 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 it's very much a passion of mine. It is very, very much a passion of mine be- on both sides of the camp. I don't care if you're right or left. You know, both are judgmental mm-hmm. of the other. Both um, do a lot of damage to each other. Mm-hmm. And if we just accepted a little bit more that, hey, you know, you don't get yeah. to pick for somebody else. No, y- you don't. And you still should accept them and love them despite yeah, absolutely. that. And absolutely. I think that for those of us who are controlling or um, really like to fix things, it's yes. hard to accept, right? It is. To step back and say, I think yesterday you were like, when I was younger, this is a good one. Yes. This is, I'm answering the question for yes. you. Something you <laughs> used to believe that you don't believe anymore. You yes. said that you were younger. You thought you fixed everything for everyone, but you didn't fix anything at all. Correct. So control is a fallacy. It, mm-hmm. It's it's a fantasy world that, w- that humans try to live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just really are. None of us have control. I don't even have control over tomorrow. You don't have control over tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I don't have control when I'm going to die, when I'm going to die. I don't have control over the economy tomorrow. I don't have control over anything, but I believe that I try to take control. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think a lot of people do. And I think the, the control freaks of the world, we try to take more control than others. Mm-hmm. Okay. We do. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you really just stop and think about that, you have not changed one thing by anything that you've done to try to control someone else or circumstances around you. Mm-hmm. You're, you haven't. You haven't. And, and I think that it's just a, it's a life-sucking, energy-sucking, peace-sucking process when we try to control everything around us. And mm-hmm. so I just feel like as, in, as I've gotten older, I've just let that go. So yeah, no, I totally believe that I could control things. I totally believe that if I poured into somebody's life, they were going to listen to what I said, do what I say, which is really arrogant of me. Yeah. Actually, because what, who said my way was right? You know, the Bible does give us some direction. I, and I, I definitely get on board with that, uh, for the Christians who are sitting there going, Oh my gosh, the Bible says, no, I know. I know. But the Bible also says that people are different. Everyone is different. So our lists are different. The lists I struggle with are different than yours. The lists that you struggle with are different than somebody else's. And, um, and we just have to let people work through their own issues and, and love them right where they're at, not try to control them because you'll never change them with that. And, and then I think about also how do I... 
some of the best advice that I can give today is because I walk through a journey to learn it. Mm-hmm. Who am I to rob somebody else of that journey? Yeah. Because that's how lessons stick. That's right. right? That's right. Some, there's a lot of us who have to mm-hmm. feel the pain to understand. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I'm not a parent, but, um, you know, I have nieces and nephews and you want to protect them from things, even oh, like small things, like don't run up the stairs. You're going to fall on your face, but they're going to run up the stairs until they fall on their face. Probably a couple times, honestly, before they're like, oh, yeah. Hey, and there's you know, a reason you, for this. If you contemplate some of the most painful things in your life and the growth that you experienced, if you chose to embrace mm-hmm. it, if you got stuck in it and you're still stuck in it today, mm-hmm. you didn't experience growth. Yeah. You're still stuck in it. But if you moved through it healthy mm-hmm. and you contemplate it today, that pain was very intense and that's what you're trying to save your loved ones from mm-hmm. and everybody around you. But here's the problem. That moment, that pain is what made you who mm-hmm. you are today. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You can't save somebody from that because you're actually thwarting their growth. Yeah, you, you can't. But no. it's, it's very hard to watch our loved ones. It is. Man. Me too. Yeah. It's, you know, and I can't even imagine having kids, how difficult that is. Yes. And, you know, if someone were to sit down a 16 year old Erica and say, Oh, Erica, this guy that you have a huge crush on, that's not going to matter. Yes. It doesn't matter. In the you grand will scheme. get old. You will date lots of people. You will get married to someone else. And like this, and do you really want to get married at 16? No. And that's the thing, right? <laughs> is that you don't want your kids to get married that young necessarily. I know no, you, no. You, one of your kids is married very young and they, they yeah. have a wonderful, loving relationship. Yeah. But for, for most people, that's not the story. You know, no, the right. person that they're dating that's in right. high school isn't going to be the person that they're still dating. Well, and just so you know, when I, when I asked my son uh, that question, he was 19, she was 20. Uh, and I asked him that question, is she the one? He said, yes. He didn't even hesitate. And I saw it. Yeah. And I said, so um, if she's the one, then this is it for you. And he said, yes. And he didn't hesitate. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if I'd asked 16-year-old Erica, Erica, is he the one that you're going to marry and be with for the rest of your life? You probably would have said, uh, <laughs> wait, what? No. Yeah. Yeah. True. But he true. didn't. He didn't. And, and I think, you know, knowing him uh in obviously not nearly as close of a way as you I think he is that kind of guy and some people are right but that's that's not everybody this is a great this is a great example of uh there's just there's decisions and consequences so I know lots of high school sweethearts who are still married today Mm -hmm. I actually do I know at least two handfuls of people who met in high school and are still married today in their 50s happily married okay Mm -hmm. I know people who got married in their 30s um who are divorced Mm -hmm. two years later I know people who had kids at 16 and 15 years old that are wildly successful and healthy, happy, whole people um, with grandchildren, maybe mm-hmm. even great-grandchildren on the way now, okay? Yeah. And I know people who waited till their 30s who had kids who um, kind of botched it. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. There's no wrong answer. Yeah. And who are you to look at somebody else's life and say, you shouldn't be married at 19? This is babies marrying babies. What kind of statement is that? Yeah. Because you arrogantly believe that your way is right. This is the problem with society, isn't it? Yeah. We're and trying to control everybody around us and tell everybody how to live. We, can't, we don't have the right. And we don't really know if that's right. Are there, are there consequences to having babies at 19? Yes. But are there benefits too? Oh. Yeah. They're going to be 49 years old with their children out of the house in the prime money-making years of their life. Yeah. Enjoying their own money and resting and sleeping in while the other 50-year-old is at home with a 4-year-old. 
Yeah, that'll be me. Uh, or six-year-old. Okay, right. <laughs> tired. And so, really and tired really, with really, my really, money. Really, really tired. Just laying in a bed of my yeah, money. But tired. then you hire a babysitter and pay yeah. 25 bucks an hour and you're good. Okay, yeah. so there's no wrong answer. Yeah, it's just it's decision. Just there's consequences to those decisions, whatever that looks like. And you but just people, have to decide what works for you. People have such a hard time accepting that for other people. Yeah, myself included. I'm not... There's going to be some Christians this. that are going to go, ugh, because I, I tend to make the Christians mad, honestly, even being a Christian, and I tend to make the liberals angry. But so. you, I don't know, I, I think you're a great Christian. I, as you know, do not Well, thank you. I believe, appreciate that. And we've I, been around and around this many times. But that's the thing is that we can come here and I can tell you, well, I just don't believe that. And here's why. And here's what I believe. And then that can be fine. It can. And, because and I appreciate hearing that. Frankly, People on both sides aren't really capable of having those kind of conversations. Oh, which is tragedy. Yeah, right. Because how will we ever get anywhere if nobody is willing to sit down and actually talk about what you yeah. believe and then go, hey, it's okay that you believe that. Yeah. It's okay. And it's okay that I believe that. And your checklist doesn't match mine. And and, and I'm not saying, because um, here's what a Christian would say. Here's what an extreme Christian would say right now. They would say, oh, it's terrible. It's tragedy. How could you tell her that? Because she's going to burn in hell. Okay, here's the thing. Um, that's not what the conversation is about. The conversation is trying to understand who you are and where you're coming from and, and trying to get, show a little compassion for that. And the fact that you are a human being that can logically think and come to your own conclusions and decisions and that you have free will of your own. And I'm just trying to hear and understand who you are and where you're coming from. That's it. Okay. And you're doing the same for me. Why can't we as human beings sit down and have these conversations? Why? without trying to convert everybody to what we believe mm -hmm. and what we need. Maybe there will be a time and a place for that. Maybe. But if there isn't, that's okay too. You know what I'm saying? I don't mm -hmm. have to save everybody around me. I'm not called to save everybody around me, but I am called to love everybody around me. Read the Bible. Mm -hmm. Read it again. Yeah. I, that's, you are a very congruent person. What you think is what you say is what you do. It's a straight line. That's, that's important to me. It is. And uh, it's important to me too. But you really, you know, I don't want to bash Christian people because obviously they're a great p Christian people. But um, man, I think that for people who aren't necessarily believers, you know, you look at like, the actions of some of these people and you're like well I don't know everything about the Bible but I know it says some of this stuff and you guys aren't doing this so like well, I don't know you're not doing a great job of convincing me oh that this I is love that you said that great the Bible says that there is um seed planters and waterers mm -hmm. okay so um I'm a seed planter Mm -hmm. which the, I, I thank you for saying that because that, that's just very encouraging to me and it makes me my heart really happy Mm -hmm. Because I, I'm a seed planter, which means that I often deal with people who don't know anything about God. Mm -hmm. If I use church words, they don't even know what it means. And that's okay. Because my calling, my job is to love those people and, and to understand and, and leave that door open. And then, and then if there's opportunity um, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, then that's mm -hmm. what I would do. And if there's opportunity where God wants to work through me, then that's what would happen. Uh, but at the end of the day, I am not picking up my Bible and beating people over the head and saying, you need to follow this checklist right here. Mm -hmm. And you need to jump through these hoops because half the people that I, or actually all the people that I deal with, most of the people I deal with, don't even know what that means. Mm -hmm. So there's seed planters, the beginning stages, and there's waterers. So a waterer would be someone who would come into my life and say, hey, let me grow you in the word of God. Let me, let me mentor you in, um, 
this journey that we're on together mm -hmm. because I'm farther along in my faith than you. I have been doing this longer than you. This, this is watering. Mm -hmm. I'm not a water. I'm a seed planter. Mm. Interesting. So, yeah. And you may, you might kind of go, okay, what is that all about? But just saying, no, no, I, I get that in, um, in, in business too. Um, my boss has told me he, he really likes onboarding new agents and that's his passion, right? Like his passion is in, in your words, seed planting. Like he loves, to find new agents and to get them involved in real estate and to, to start that off. I love that. And yeah. he doesn't necessarily connect as much with, and, and I, he will likely listen or hear about this because our front desk uh, guy listens to this and maybe he does too. But, um, and not to say like he neglects old agents, but like, that's what he thrives on is like starting that, you know? Well, and I think that there's, there's that in the business world too. Whereas I, I don't have the patience for that. I don't have the patience for you asking me how to yes. fill out a contract or something. And you that's know? okay. But if you want to have big conversations about like how we can grow our business and what we can do. So I think I'm more of the water in this context. Okay. So if you look around your office and you have an organization right there, uh, the Bible says that everybody has a part in the body. Mm -hmm. Okay, everybody sh serves a role in a perfect world. Everybody has a calling. Everybody has something that they do and they bring to the whole. Well, look at any organization. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's the exact same thing. If you have everybody playing their part, you might have a passion in adver the advertising piece of the business, mm -hmm. and you're proficient at other areas. Mm -hmm. And somebody else might have a passion for developing the new staff. And they're proficient in other areas. And somebody else has a passion for taking us to the next level, all of us together, mm -hmm. the big picture thinker. You see what I'm saying? Everybody serves their role. This is in every organization. Yeah. This is biblical. See, and you tell me that. And in, in a lot of the, it's um, applicable. That's where I'm looking for. A lot of it is applicable to life. Just, it's just... <laughs> It's just the belief part that I'm working I, on. I'm going to tell uh, you, I think a lot of people who are shut off um, to Christianity and the Bible were just like what you said earlier. Uh -huh. uh, because we don't often live the way that we expect others to live. Mm -hmm. Because we really believe sometimes, well-meaning, I understand, but we really do believe that our sin is not apparent to everybody else. So we go and we say, oh, look at you, point, 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 and this is what it, we, we need from you. You need to follow us. You need to do this. You need to do that. And people don't like to be approached like that. No. Okay. And, and honestly, if we were really being honest Christians, mm -hmm. we don't like to be approached like that either. No. But it's funny how we can kind of hold that standard of others around us, but not even hold ourselves to that standard. You see? Mm -hmm. And so this just does more damage. It just does damage. And then you have a lot of people that look into the Christian community and they go, oh my gosh, yeah, I don't want to be like you. For this reason and this mm -hmm. reason and this reason. And here's the thing. You're fake. You're phony. It's fallacy. Lots of people do that. Yeah. And oftentimes when I sit down with people and I say to people like that, I go, you know what? Here's the thing, though. They're, sin they're sinners, too. They, yeah, you're right. They fell short. They did. Mm -hmm. But the more important piece is there, there's been very, very few people who have answered this question for me the way that I would like to hear. And I will say to them, have you actually read the Bible then? So if you're going to bash it, if you're going to bash Christians, you're going to bash Christianity, you're going to bash God, mm -hmm. you know, have you read it? And there's not, I don't even think I've ever even met one yet that has said, yeah, no, I actually have read it. Most people go, no, actually. So maybe, maybe just give it a chance. Maybe first read and you'll, you will read and you'll go, oh my gosh, that person totally did that and they shouldn't have. You're right. Mm -hmm. 
but then don't you become them and point the finger and go, Oh, look at you. You know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because then you're guilty of the very thing that you don't like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to be honest. I'm probably not going to read the Bible anytime soon, but (laughs) and that's okay. I also, am not going to (laughs) bash it. You've read some parts to me. I've, uh, I have some loose ideas. I, I don't there's think there's so many things that are applicable. Yeah, Erica, no. Like and I agree. Said, I think are. that there are so many things that are applicable, but like, you know, the, there's a difference between like appreciating the Bible and being a Christian. I no. think, you know, and that's okay. You know. And that's okay. Listen, I, um, that's, it's, it's all good. So this part is towards the end. We've already talked for longer than I was going to keep Sorry. you here. No, it's fine. I feel bad keeping you because we cut, I'm a talker. Till 4 a.m. Okay. last night. Uh, You're feeding my monster. Frivolous, <laughs> frivolous failings. Frivolous failings. So what are some of the more lighthearted things you'd like to improve? Like my example is always my car's a mess. And I'm perpetually being like, I'm going to. Oh, I, I definitely have these things. Okay. So listen, I, I, am, I like to be realistic with myself and my flaws. I really uh-huh. do. Um, one of the things that I'm terrible, terrible at is being late to everything. Oh. I even walk into my own office late. Yeah. Which is terrible because my employees are sitting there and I'm not, uh, you know, I, 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 I just self-loathe on this so much. I hate sitting. I hate wasting any minute of any day. And that's what that's about. And so I will literally pack every second, uh, of every single day with as much as I possibly can. And unfortunately I leave no room for error and error happens all the time. And so that's something I have to let go of. That's a, that's a fantasy, a pipe dream that I can fill every second of every day and still live my life and be on time to things. Mm-hmm. I have to leave room for error for life. Just like Nicole's I do in my freaking goals. out because this is literally me. This is literally yes. me. And when people ask me why I'm late, I like try to explain this to them. And I, and they're like, but just leave earlier. And I'm like, I can't. No, no, it's you. They don't, they don't really understand. Like, I, I'm not sitting around. I'm not just like, oh, fuck. I was watching TV. Correct. Yeah. No Correct. room. I do the There's same no thing. Room for I do the same thing. But you know, this is kind of like the smoking thing and the hypnotism thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that we believe, that we've made decisions yeah. at one point and, and, and a point and a moment uh-huh. where we made a decision, like, say, I'm never going to wait on these people again. And then you don't, and you, your behavior then follows that decision. And so you have to, you have to kind of go, okay, this, this is something I'm, I'm believing wrongly because I'm not looking at the other side of the coin where I'm being disrespectful of other people's yeah. time. Yeah. And I'm not setting up a good example in this area of my life. And, and if, if somebody were to ask me, um, another one is, um, that I interrupt a conversation a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to change that, but I can't. And the reason I can't is it's not that I'm interrupting. It's the motive with which I interrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, let me explain it in this way. It's something I want to work on though. It's something, it's a frivolous little thing that I want to work on. My husband is, people would say that I am the one who talks the most. I am, mm-hmm. but my husband is the better communicator, mm-hmm. which is yeah. fascinating. I will take a hundred words to, to just puke out of me something, a, a concept or something that I'm trying to share. And my husband will literally walk in the room and say, so you mean one, two, three, four, five words. And I just want to shoot him. Yeah. Because I, n- not literally shoot him, uh, but you know what I'm saying, figuratively. Uh, because I, I, I hate that he can do that. 
I, I, my brain does not work like that. I can't, I wish so bad sometimes he's an internal processor and I'm a verbal processor. Mm-hmm. So I have to puke the hundred words Yeah. to, uh, I'll start with this very rough, ugly place and then I'll come down to what I want to communicate eventually. I do. Mm-hmm. And I get in a really good place with it. And, and that's a good thing. So I have to have these people that I can verbally process with. But, um, beyond that, I interrupt people who are talking like my husband Yeah. because my brain does not function like that. So my husband will say 60 words. And in that 60 words, there were 25 facets on the diamond mm-hmm. on a diamond. And I go, wait, 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 I'm back at f- facet one. Wait, what? So you, you just communicate that way too fast for me. Stop. Okay. Tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Then he can go on to the next facet. Yeah. And this is what the interrupting is about. It's not about competing to share uh, more ideas. It's about trying to understand or participate, partake in the communication of something back and forth. Mm-hmm. And the person that I'm um, communicating with is a very skilled communicator, obviously. And so I have to slow that down a little bit. That's what interrupting is about for me. But it is something I want to work on because... You know, I know this sounds really weird, but maybe I just need to get a tablet of paper and as they're talking and take notes Oh, and then come back to the notes. I don't know yeah. because I don't ever want it to come across as disrespectful to somebody because that would, that is surely not yeah. my motive ever uh-huh. because I really do care about people. Yeah. And so that, those would be a couple little frivolous things that I need to work on. Yeah. I also, um, this might be shocking, resonate with this. <laughs> um, I, and it's, it's very difficult and it's. I, I try to be, for me, the only thing I find helpful is literally physically just being like, keep your mouth shut. Like the, I Put cannot control it. the impulse. Yes. So I'm just like, I'm feeling the impulse to speak, but I know that I okay, should let the person finish too, sure. and I'm just going yes. to physically keep my mouth shut until, but it, I've never thought of it in that light of, I think I just want to fully explore every idea. So That's I, what I'm talking I, yeah, about. I, I want to study the diamond. Yeah, I want to, I want to study more of that facet. He wants to tell me five little words about that diamond yeah. and be done with it. And I need to understand every facet of that diamond. Yeah. Because that's just the way my brain works. That's exactly what I'm saying. And so then it's like you're doubling back. And then at a certain point you you get lost. I mean, several times last night we were all sitting here like 2 a.m. and we're like, wait, what? Yes, I know. We're talking about, I know a drive through at Wendy's and I don't know how we got here. (laughs) And, Oh, uh, I'm all over the board. We just lost. Yeah. I I do too. My, my husband is always like, you can't finish a story because in the middle you're like, Oh, and then this other thing. And then this other thing. But, I'm always just trying to give people all of the information, but I, I do think some of it, I, if I'm being honest, is narcissism. I do oh, think sometimes I, think, mm, I want no. to, I, I have something I want to say to the person and I think they're going to be interested in it. But maybe okay, what they're really interested in is just saying what they want to say. Okay, this could appear to be narcissistic. You're absolutely right. Okay, I can see where your point is there. Because it is true. There's things that I share that that somebody's not going to care about. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so I go back to, I, th- I feel like in our marriages, this is where we get to practice everything uh-huh. that we believe in, right? Mm-hmm. And we are really usually married to someone who is absolutely completely their opposite. There's a reason for mm-hmm. that. Because it brings us balance. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I'm communicating with my husband who is a man of few words and I'm puking out all these words. Mm-hmm. My husband is great. 
He chooses to love me right where I'm mm-hmm. at. He chooses to accept mm-hmm. me for who mm-hmm. I am and not mm-hmm. communicating to me that the way I do life is wrong. Mm-hmm. He will listen like this. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yeah, no. Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> if I come back though and I say to him, and I'm going to choose to love him back, and I say, hey, what did I just say? And he goes, huh, what? I don't then go, you didn't even hear me. What's wrong with you? It's terrible. You're not giving to me. It's not narcissistic. Because I, but I, because I appreciate that he's chose to love me where mm-hmm. I need to be loved. And then I love him back. And I recognize that my, he, 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 he I lost him five, yeah. word, five at word five. Yeah. Okay. And he's just being gracious and letting me convert, be the verbal puker mm-hmm. that I am. He's an internal processor. I'm a verbal processor. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that there's not moments of self-centers that people are actually interested in what you are. You're right. This is exactly my point earlier, Erica. That everybody's not as interested as you think they are in a lot of things that you share. Okay, just want to point that out. You're saying this as someone who wants people to listen to what we're saying. Right. Okay, but but at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, you know what, Erica? If even if we are verbal pukers and there's people that are internal processors and it looks completely different for them, you know what? That's okay. Because it doesn't make them right and us wrong or us right and them wrong. There's just no wrong answer here. But you do, I, I think you do have to be mindful of it. Um, you do have to be mindful Especially in your relationship because uh, you just run the risk of running people over, you know. Okay, so here's the thing. Setting. So if I'm sharing with my husband and my husband chooses to mm-hmm. love me in that moment and just pretend like he's mm-hmm. listening. I love that about him. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. And I accept that. And even the fact that he didn't really truly listen, mm-hmm. most of the times I'm very forgiving of that because I love that he let me verbally puke. And then my that. husband, uh, I choose to love him back and accept that he probably only heard the first five words. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good advice, and I need to be better about that, for sure. You know, and I just want to share one more thing in, in that yeah, light, yeah. because I think that in marriage, you really have to learn to, too many times in our marriages, and I hear this over and over in everybody that I interact with, in, me too, mm-hmm. where we just we always focus on the bad in our spouse. Oh, I hate that he did this, and she did that, and he didn't do this, and he didn't do that. Excuse me. I I think that we absolutely have to learn to focus on the positives. Let me give you this example. It used to be that my husband and I, when we were younger, we would fight over the fact that if you walked in my closet right now, um, my my room is picked up. It is. Mm -hmm. And to most eyes, they would go, wow, it's pretty clean, Um, actually. But if you open my closet doors, you would go, holy cow, what just happened? Okay? Mm -hmm. If you open my husband's closet, you would find unbelievable organization, uh, for socks and t-shirts and uh, you name it, shoes. Mm-hmm. He has a place for everything. It's unbelievable, really. He, he, he could definitely be an organizer. Okay, now, what we realized is that, hey, he is a very good spatial thinker. I'm not. So we would fight on vacation because we would show up with suitcases and he wouldn't stop sharing a suitcase with me because it drove him crazy that my suitcase was always a mess mm-hmm. and his suitcase was absolutely organized. Uh, to a T, even the, even the dirty clothes. Okay. I hated that. I'm like, oh, so I would always feel bad about myself, about who I was and how I'm wired. Mm -hmm. We stopped doing that. We learned to celebrate the fact that he is a spatial thinker. So I give him my clothes and he packs my suitcase. Mm. We still keep separate suitcases. At the end I go, there you go. There's our stuff. And he puts it away. And I say, thank you, honey. And I reward him uh, with my mouth and say, thank you so much. And appreciation and awe, sit in awe of him yeah. instead of complaining. We stopped fighting about it and we started learning how to celebrate it. The same situation. Now, if I am the shopper, my husband does not shop. My husband has, does not buy anything. No, mm-hmm. he does not buy me a gift. Nope. Ever. Yeah. Never. He does not. Mm-hmm. And people go, oh, and we listened to that for years. And so we would fight over this. 
we would fight over oh, how dare you the man is supposed to do that the man is supposed to do this the man is supposed to do that there's no wrong answer we stop letting that control us and i just do it mm -hmm. i bought our wedding rings what's wrong with her you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with this. There's no wrong answer. So we started celebrating the fact that I happen to be a very good shopper. Mm -hmm. I have a black belt. Okay, and my husband is terrible at it. I sent him with $22 one day. Or I sent him to buy milk, butter, bread, eggs. No joke. He came back with $4 organic eggs. He came back with a half a gallon of organic milk that cost him 4 bucks. He came back with butter. Butter. Mm -hmm. Not margarine. Yeah. Not tub butter. Butter. A butter stick. Uh-huh. Okay? And then he came back with this bread that he paid four bucks for. He sent $22 actually in total for something that would normally cost like less than 10. Yeah. He's that. He, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. So instead, now, most women would be like, oh, that's terrible. It's horrible. I can't believe you did that. And we would focus on the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Instead of doing that, I said to myself, oh my gosh, he, he's not a good shopper. So he lets me do all the shopping. He doesn't complain though mm -hmm. what I do bring home. Yeah. You see, yeah. you learn to celebrate each other. You have to learn to do that. We have to learn to do that. We have to stop saying, Erica, that you and I are verbal pukers and this is wrong. It's not wrong. If we're using it for self-centered purposes, you know, yeah. and then you need to back it up. Mm -hmm. And there's times that you definitely need to do that. But at the end of the day, you also need to contemplate, hey, this is how I do life. It is. And I need to be okay with that. Yeah. And you'll have a lot more peace in your life. A lot more. And your marriage too. I think that that is a great note to end on and um tim loves listening to my podcast so i'm really fascinated to hear what he has to say oh yeah from the past advice that oh um it was i was talking to tony about being vulnerable this is actually a conversation that we had earlier today uh and we kind of we we it's in in terms of celebrating each other's differences I think we we hashed through it and I was saying that um years ago you had told me that people see you as really authentic and maybe even vulnerable because you are really honest about your life and the things that happen yes um but that people don't really know you because you keep as you say, the diamonds, although I did not remember that word when yes. I said it, close to yourself and that the true deep feelings are things that you reserve for yourself or your very close friends. Correct. And so you have a lot of people that feel close to you. Yes. That maybe you don't, I don't mean that in a bad way, but this is what Tony was saying, that she has a lot of people who feel close to her that maybe she doesn't feel close to, but they feel close to her because she gives them this authenticity that they're maybe not used to from other people. And I said that I used to think like that. I used to be very like that. And I used to think that was a really good thing. And now I'm not so sure. Yes. And I'm still, after our conversation, not so convinced. sure. You're I'm not, not convinced. convinced. I'm not convinced. Yes. No, I hear you. I hear you. And I, and here again, Erica, I, I'm just going to go back to that there's no wrong answer. Yeah. If yeah. that's where you are personally at, you should stay there because that's mm -hmm. the right thing. And if this is where I'm personally at, I should, I should be okay. Yeah. Because here's the thing. I, I have, I really do truly have peace about how mm -hmm. I feel about this. And to some people it might look jaded, but it's, it's not so much jaded. It's just about healthy boundaries in my life mm -hmm. and operating out of my natural self. Yes. Because I do operate well in pouring into others and I don't operate so well sharing 
some of the very private to me personal things that I think are just reserved for only myself and maybe and, and God yeah. and and maybe those that I'm very 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 the closest to yeah I I don't personally feel that those things are for everyone mm-hmm. and I think that some people wear their emotions on their sleeves and they're very emotionally intelligent and I love that they can share those things and be okay with that I'm just not that person and I'm okay with that and I and I I don't think there's again there there's no wrong answer that's who who you are and you should be good with that and mm-hmm. that's who I am and I should be good with that and as long as we just work that out together it's okay I agree I agree I think we came to a good place with it earlier that took a long time so I will not take people on that journey <laughs> but I still I still feel hopeful for you that you and I am hopeful for the same I want you to know late that. in life couple friends that you guys can just have a really great close relationship with and like and a Romeo and Michelle yeah if you've a ever Romy seen and that Michelle movie. Shows and my go age. and go ATVing or UTVing and no I love that too and I really do hope diamonds. that too yeah I hope so that too. I but I accept of course where you're at and I don't yeah. think that everyone should be like me but I think that I feel my like if this didn't journey, change if this did not change this side of heaven yeah it's okay yeah. but if it does I'm gonna look for that too yeah. because that's the thing you you, you life changes on a dime and you just got to get up and you yeah. just got to move through it. Mm-hmm. I never want to get stuck in something. Yeah. I don't want to get stuck in the past. I don't want to get stuck, um, in a, some maybe damage that happened from past relationships. I don't want to ever get stuck there. I want to be open mm-hmm. and, and whole mm-hmm. and healthy for the next one. Yeah. And I, I, I totally understand where you are coming from on that. Yeah. Um, you don't really have anything to promote. Usually I ask people if they want anything to promote unless you want people to be able to find you because people would be well, able to Well, I would find promote you. my beautiful, amazing niece. Yeah. Come come find this podcast, buy a house, do uh, all the things. But I love that you let us stay here. Nicole, are you having a lovely time? Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I'm Nicole so Nicole didn't know that she was it's in an for an emotional, an emotional journey. Sorry. <laughs> it always is. A perspective change. Yeah. You know what? I, I if 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 we can impact each other, that's a wonderful thing, in my book. So yeah, and I've 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 learned lots too, and I and I love I love partaking in relationship in this way. I think that maybe the answer to your question of uh, what you would do if you didn't have money, I could see you being like a life coach. I I I think that I well, you know, it's funny you say that because I actually do mentor a few people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I do, and I do enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm. I feel like there's no end to this, so I'm. Who knows where I'll cut this out uh, and probably put in something at the end promoting myself. So you don't have to listen to that now. But we're gonna eat dinner probably. Yes. Yeah, and maybe call my grandma and be a good person. Okay. And that was all she wrote on that one. Uh, I didn't call my grandma, but my aunt did, and we did have dinner with her the next night. So no cliffhanger there. I hope that you enjoyed that. Um, just listening back on it, there are just some really great, there's some really great stuff in there. Um, as always, please subscribe. Have you subscribed? You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe on Spotify. You could go right to Podbean and subscribe. I mean, there's lots of options. I would say the easiest is probably just to head on over to your podcast app and click subscribe. It's going to get dropped in your app every week. Then you can check out 
facebook.com slash needs improve. Give it a like. The episodes are always posted there. You can also become a Patreon. I am going to include the Patreon link in the description of this podcast. Now, time to shout out my Patreons. Again, it's simple. I have one level, one single level, $2 a month. Do you need $2 a month? Probably not. You've probably got $2 to spare. Uh, my A1 Day 1 Patreon, Mr. Robbie Sims. Oh, the dogs are barking. That means it's time to wrap it up. Also, if you want to see real life photos, photos, photos of me and my aunt podcasting, you can head on over to Instagram. Uh, we also took a picture of a glass bird she has in her house. And as an extra bonus, I might show you a picture of all the puppies laying on my lap while I was editing this podcast. Instagram.com slash needs improve. Instagram.com slash needs improvement pod. Go there. Click follow. And you'll see photos of my guests, behind-the-scenes photos, uh, lots of interesting little tidbits there. And I got a request earlier this week that someone wanted to send in some listener feedback and or questions. And if you would like to do that, I do have an email. It is needsimprovementpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send any comments, questions, and I will happily read them on the next episode. I will include all of those links in the podcast summary just to make it a little streamlined here. And I will see you guys again in two weeks.